0: Heavenly Father, we, just, uh, we all believe uh, that you'll just show up here today. Father, I thank you that we'll all receive the answers that we're looking for. Holy Spirit, I submit myself to you. Think through my thoughts. Speak through my words. I thank you for utterance and the anointing. And if I mess it up in the saying that you'll fix it in the hearing before it gets downrange. Father, I don't want to be any opinion of mine. Not what I think, we want to know what you think. And Father, I thank you that we're not limited to what I know, that the Holy Spirit is our teacher and he'll show us stuff that's well beyond what I know. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. This is really the second part of grace, privileges, and advantages, which we kind of started last week, while well, we did. And uh, uh, we've really been talking about our inheritance, so it's, it's getting crazy. Really mind part 11, rules of righteousness, number 7, grace part 2. So we'll just jump into it and, and we'll go from there. First thing I'm going to do is get rid of our legal definitions, not get rid of them, but put us in remembrance of them. An heir is anyone who acquires property upon someone's death, not upon your death, upon someone else's death, which is based upon the rules of descent and distribution. An heir cannot be identified until the person leaving the property dies because the heir apparent may pass away first. Upon adoption, a legally adopted child gains the right to be an heir as if he or she were the natural child of the adoptive parents. Listen, religion has tricked us into thinking that we're an heir after we die, No, Jesus died and then he left us his will. That's what the New Testament is. Okay, he left us all that good stuff that we've been talking about and we get it now. Not when we die. He died and left it to us. And that's our inheritance, which is the next definition. And it's the money and or property received upon a relative's death. Jesus was our big brother. He died, left it to us. And it was due to the laws of descent and distribution, even when a will doesn't exist. Commonly, the term inheritance refers to anything received from an estate of someone who has died. So we've been talking about our inheritance, right? Religion, again, tricked us into thinking we get our inheritance after we die. No, it starts the second that you get born again. The second that you get born again, you become an heir, and you get your inheritance, okay? Now, let's go to Ephesians 1. This is our uh, jumping off point. We're talking about this prayer uh, that the Apostle Paul says that he prays for us. And we're going to find out it's also with the prayer that the Holy Spirit prays for us. In verse 15 in Ephesians 1, it says this, Wherefore I also... And then in parentheses, this is kind of a side thought. This is why he's praying also. After I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and love unto all the saints. So we just kind of take that part out because I want to see this. It says, wherefore I also cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayer. So he's praying with somebody else. And we saw that the very verse before that, he was talking about the Holy Spirit. And we know the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. So this is the prayer the Holy Spirit prays for you. Now Paul says, I'm going to jump on board with that. How many know that it was good enough for the Holy Spirit and good enough for Paul to pray for us, so we should probably pray it for ourselves? Okay? So this is the prayer we're going to pray for ourselves. And here's the prayer. It says, that the, verse 17, "...that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, knowledge in Him, and that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened, that you may know..." And that Greek word is know and experience it. He just doesn't want you to know it. He wants you to know and experience in real time. He wants you to experience it. A lot of people know stuff but they never really experience it, okay? So we want to know and experience the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Let's stop right there. Whose inheritance did we just start talking about? His inheritance. And His inheritance is in the saints. Now the riches of the glory of His inheritance is in you because remember when it says that Jesus is king of kings? Okay, without us, He's just king. We're the kings that He's king of, okay? He's not king of ragamuffins. He's not king of beat down folks. He's not king of, you know... Barely get along, folks. He's king of kings. Amen. Okay, so when we don't live like kings, we rip Jesus off of his inheritance. Okay, let's, let's quit ripping Jesus off. Okay, all right. Now, I made this statement a bunch of weeks ago, and everybody seems to agree with it, so I'm going to say it again. Is it right, or it should be right, that we give God all the glory? Isn't that right? God gives all the glory? Now, how many? can you give anybody anything you don't have? No. no. So we've been talking about how we got to have glory in order to give God glory. And giving God glory isn't what, what, you know, going, oh, I give God all the glory. No, that's praise with your mouth. Glory, and we came up with, there was 15 things. We studied the Greek and the Hebrew and the English, and then I threw in some of my own because I was a federal agent. I got to protect heads of state, and I got to see glory firsthand. So I threw in, and you could think up more on your own time. We got 15. We finally made it to 15, and we're still stuck here, but we're going to get over it, okay? Anyway, first thing that you've got to have to get into the club of glory is wealth. If you don't have any wealth, you've got no glory. Okay, so if you want to give God glory, you better open up your checkbook. Oh, that got quiet. All right. Then the next thing we talked about is an entourage, that you have commerce. Commerce is the ability to create wealth and move it. Create it and move it. So here's the difference between wealth and commerce. Is Saudi Arabia has wealth, they've got oil. When that runs out, they're out because they don't have any commerce. All they have is oil. The U.S., we don't have really one good thing that makes us wealthy. What we're really good at is commerce. We know how to create wealth and move it around. That's what makes us superpower, and that goes hand in hand with the next one, which is military power right then we had wisdom which is supreme intelligence and skill supreme intelligence and skill they go hand in hand okay promotion and we talked about promotion it's not that you get promoted it's do you have the juice to promote somebody else I mean, that's when you have glory when you can promote other people okay and then superiority <gasps> we're superior yeah god will make you superior if you have the life of god on the inside of you and somebody doesn't i mean you know it's automatic that's why he says you're a new species of being you're a new creature You're not a human being anymore, not just a sinner saved by grace. No, you're superior. You have God on the inside of you, the creator of the universe. Okay, then we talked about dignity, authority, nobility, valor, and splendor, majesty, and magnificence. And now we finally got to privileges and advantages. This is my favorite one, privileges and advantages. See, this one, man, this is is where life will really get fun for you if you start operating in privileges and advantages. Because we saw that the word privilege literally means this, private law. Ooh, private law. You know what that means? You don't stand in line to get tickets for whatever concert you're going to or ball game you go to. Private law is you go sit in the owner's box mm-hmm. and you get served buffet, surf and turf. Huh? <laughs> you sit in a big lazy boy chair with the vibrator. You sure while you're you know, getting a back rub? That's privileges and advantages. Okay? It says this. It's a special advantage. Immunity. i will ever see survivor, everybody's trying to get the immunity necklace. Mm-hmm. Right? This is private law too. You ever you know the Federal Witness Program? Somebody's going to turn on his buddy. Now, that guy, according to the regular the law, he should be prosecuted. But because he cut a deal with the prosecutor, he got private law. He got immunity. They cut a private deal. Then we got special permission or special right, benefit granted to or enjoyed by an individual. Then advantages. It's a favorable or superior position. It's a beneficial factor or combination of factors. Now, this is what we're going to kind of hone in on today. A beneficial factor or a combination of beneficial factors is factors that give you an advantage. Okay? Factors that will give you an advantage in life. Now, the Bible has two words for privileges and advantages. Really one word in the Hebrew and one word in the Greek, but they're translated two ways. Grace and favor. Grace and favor. In the Greek, it's haris, and in the Hebrew, it's shen. Okay? Don't, you know, correct me. That's the best pronunciation I could get, but Whatever you got anywhere you see grace or favor in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it is privileges and advantages. Okay, so I'm going to read out of the, This is what it says literally in, the, in both the Greek and the Hebrew. It's pretty much the same definition. It's that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, and loveliness, grace of speech, goodwill, loving kindness and favor, a gift, a benefit, bounty, services, favors, recompense, and reward. Okay? Anywhere you see grace and favor, it's all those things. It's God showing up, giving you a gift, He's giving you bounty, He's doing you services, He's giving you recompense, He's giving you a reward. Okay? And what it is is beneficial factors that's gonna make life easier for you, that'll give you an advantage in life. Now, Julie, just skip over these next couple slides and go down to Luke two fifty two. I was going to hit Joseph again, but you know what? Go back and get that other CD. That was favor with man. We talked about having favor or privileges and advantages with man last week. I want to talk about privileges and advantages with God this week. Okay? It's a whole different thing. Okay? Now, Luke 2.52, it says this, And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So there's a couple things with this one little sentence. That You know you can increase with favor with man, but you can also increase your grace with God. If Jesus could, how many know, we could probably stand to use some increasing? If Jesus was increasing, and Jesus is the head, and we're under Him, maybe we could probably stand to use some increase of grace. So what I'm trying to say is, you ain't arrived. So don't feel bad that you've you got all that you're going to get in life. No, you get, you get an increase in favor of grace with God. And where you are, and if life is so good, it'll get so much better. Because if Jesus could increase, we could too. All right? Let's go to Romans 5. Romans 5 and verse 1. says this, therefore, being justified by faith, now that we're justified means we get a winning judgment, a winning judgment. I mean, you know, if you're on the winning side of judgment, that's good. If you want a $2 million lawsuit, woohoo, $2 bucks, baby, you're on the winning side. If you have to write the $2 million check, not so good. So how do we get the winning judgment? It says by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And look, here's something extra, by whom also we have access to. By faith. Into this grace wherein we stand. We have access into the grace of God by faith in Jesus Christ. So when we have faith in Jesus, we have access into privileges and advantages with God. We stand in it. Access. But look, it gets even better. Because when you do that, when you hook up and you get that, and when you start living in privileges and advantages, or the grace of God, look what happens. And then we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And that word hope is confidence. How many know, if you, you, it's easy to rejoice when you're standing... All right, let me back up. Have you ever... And here's what the grace is. The grace is really the anointing, okay? That's the power. You ever heard of like the presence of God and, you know, the glory cloud and all that? We haven't talked about this in, in glory, but this is really the spiritual side of glory, the grace of God. You ever hear, oh, I'm going to grace you with my presence today? Well, God will grace you with His presence, His power, and His anointing. Okay? That's what the grace of God is. We want to increase in that, don't we? Sure we do, because when we live there, that gives us an advantage in life. It's easy to rejoice when you're... Father, help me get this out. Have you ever noticed, if you're going through... If you ever lost a, a loved one that you were close to, you're going through a bad breakup or a divorce, something like that, something bad happened to you in life, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and you feel like you're in that bubble... Have you ever felt the bubble where everything goes right? Like, go play the Powerball. I used to joke, man, we're in the bubble. We better go play the Powerball right now. Nothing that we do will go wrong. Have you ever been in the bubble? We want to live there all the time. Did you know what that is? That's the glory of God. That's the grace, the presence of God. Now, it's easy to have confidence in that when you're living in that, and it's easy to rejoice. No matter how bad life is, if you're in that bubble, man, it's easy to rejoice. And I got confidence. You know why? Because everything I'm doing is prospering, everything I touch is turning into gold. That's being in the center of the glory. That's the bubble. Yeah. Father, help me get this out. So when we increase in that grace, we're gonna, our bubble's going to expand. That means we've got more room to move around in. Remember the bubble boy on Seinfeld? He can only be in this little thing, right? We want a big giant bubble so that wherever I go... And you know what? And my bubble's so big, when I come this close to Cheryl, she'll be in my bubble. We want our bubble to get bigger. If Jesus could increase in His bubble the grace, the anointing, the power, and the presence, we should And when we do, it's easy to rejoice. Boy, it's a whole lot easier to rejoice when you're living in that bubble and everything's going good, isn't it? It's easy to have confidence when everything's going good. Right? This is a man, the NFL knows that. They said winning breeds winning. Why? Because you're confident that you're winning. You're starting to do good, you're starting to believe in yourself. Well, when you start believing that God will show up and help you, the bubble will start expanding. All right, let's go to Romans 12. In verse 4 it says this For as we have many members in one body, and all the members have not the same office. We don't all have the same job. Okay? So we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members of one another, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, according to the bubble according to the power and the presence, the anointing. So grace is really the anointing. We can say, you know, God graced me to do something. He anointed me to do something. The gifts are that anointing. That's your grace. When you're graced to do something, you're bubbled. All right. So he says that's given to us, whether prophecy let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry let us wait on ministering. That's service. He that teacheth on teaching, he that exhorts on exhortation, him that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that shows mercy with cheerfulness. Now, if you book, go across the page to Hebrew or Romans 11.29, it says this, For the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Everybody heard that? Mm-hmm. Now, usually I hear it like this. Well, the gifts and callings of God are not without, repent- are without repentance. Is it? Look at that. It's gifts and what? Oh. Calling. There's no S on the end of it. We all have one calling. There's only one calling. It is out to every person on the planet. It is without repentance. God calls every person to come be part of the body of Christ. It's an invitation. And when you accept the calling, He gives you a name, a title, and a heritage. We saw that in, in the first part of Ephesians, that Ephesians prayer. The hope of His calling? That's for everybody. You only have one calling. Remember when Jesus said, uh, well, they translated it this way Many are called, but few are chosen. Y'all heard that? This is literally what it re- reads in the Greek All are called, but few elect. All are called, but few choose. Okay, one calling, and it's without repentance. It's been on the planet; God won't take it back. It's here. Now turn over to. Uh, we're going to deal with calling first, real quick, in First Timothy uh, or Second Timothy, uh, first chapter. Second Timothy, the first chapter, in verse seven. I'm going to back up to verse seven so we can see how this ties in. We talked about this under valor, and it says this in verse seven: For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of power and of love and a sound mind, and we know that means discipline. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and discipline. Be thou therefore not ashamed or be thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, because he hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, discipline. Nor be ashamed, nor be ashamed of me his prisoner, but be thou a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of the Lord. And have you ever heard this? Oh, we need to be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel. You ever heard that? I've heard it. I grew up on that. We need to be a partaker. But they forgot the last part because I'll, be, I'll do this all day long. Yes, sign me up for all the afflictions because how do I do it? According to or by means of the power of who? God. Read it. By, by means of the power of God. I, man, line up the afflictions. According to the power of God, yeah, I'll suffer all day long. Because how I many know healing... It's already yours. So bring sickness on because I've already been healed. Amen. Power of God. Sickness can't stand against the power of God. You think, you think Jesus has a problem with, you know, like cancer? How about zits? He doesn't even have a problem with zits. Seriously. Power of God. Bring afflictions all day long. According to the gospel and the power of God, I'm there. Lack. Oh, yeah, I love lack because Jesus became poor so that I could be rich according to the power of God. Can lack stay there? Yeah. No, because he's the guy that's more than enough. More than enough. Not Lack. So, yeah, I'll do that all day long. I'd love, bring it on. Man, sign me up. Whatever affliction you got according to the the power of God, sure, I'm all for that. We forgot that part. We just got stuck on the affliction part. Because every affliction that comes, the power of God will knock it out. It's easy. Alright, let's keep going. Verse 9, Who has saved us and called us with an holy calling. Singular. He called us with a holy calling. That's to enter the body of Christ. Not according to our works, but according to His purpose, His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Now, I've, been, I've even been guilty of saying this, where I knew from the time that I was 12 years old that I was called to be a minister. But really, I wasn't called to be a minister. I was called to be in the body of Christ, and I had an inkling at some point in time that my purpose... My assignment would be to be a minister. So it says according to His own purpose or His own assignment. So Jesus calls us all to the body of Christ, then He'll give you an assignment. And look what goes with the assignment. What goes with purpose? Grace. So listen, grace and the purpose and the assignment go together. If you're not doing your assignment, you don't get the bubble. If you wonder why your bubble's not working for you, Big red flag, chances are you're not doing your assignment. Guaranteed. If you're not doing your assignment, you can't be in the bubble. Because if you're, you're over here, the assignment is to do this. This is where the grace is. This is where the bubble is. And you're overdoing that. You can't be in the grace because the grace is part of the assignment. Okay? Then it says, not according to our works. Right now, my assignment is to be the pastor of this church. I'm graced. I'm in the bubble. That means all the stuff. I can do that and I can do it really good. However, if I just decide tomorrow, you know what? It would be really cool if I just had a TV ministry and, and, you know, and just started doing that. Mm-mm. Not according to my works. If I just decided to do that, I mean, uh, not only th- am I not going to be good at that, I'm not going to be good at this one because I'm not doing the assignment. I'm doing something else. Now I'm out the bubble and it's all going to come crashing down on me. And then you wonder, well, oh, how come, uh, why'd God do that to me? I'm doing the Lord's work. No, you ain't. The Lord's work is whatever He assigns you to do. And when He assigns you to do it, He gives you all the equipment and He'll put the bubble around you. And when you do that one, all the grace, all the privileges, all the advantages, all the gifts, they show up there. Not according to our works. Okay? Now, in Romans 11:29, it said, the gifts are without repentance as well. Now, we've, uh, listen, I'm not going to say any of the teaching that we had is wrong, but Revelation is progressive, okay? We, yeah. should, we should get no more and no more and no more. Okay, what we've learned in the past, that's great. That's a jumping off point. We're not stuck there. If we were stuck there, let's just go to heaven and be with Enoch and Jesus because we're not, we've already arrived. All right? So the gifts we've always been taught, well, the gifts are without repentance. And, you know, you have a certain gift. And what your gift is, now God would never take it back. Wrong. The gifts are not without repentance. The gifts, they're here. The same gifts that have been here since Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell, they're still here. They're not getting recalled to heaven. They're still here. However, who operates in them and when is different. Let me give you an example. One of the ministry offices or ministry gifts that we just saw was to rule. Okay, So that's really like the ministry of the king. King Saul was anointed by the Holy Spirit. His assignment was to be king and he had the grace, the anointing to be king. When he decided he was going to step out of that purpose, not only did he disobey, but he decided he's going to do sacrifices too. So he's going to step into the office of the priest. He's tired of just doing the king stuff. He's going to go try to do the priest. Now what happened was he lost the anointing. David was now anointed to be king. The gift to rule, the ministry gift of king, was still on the planet. But it wasn't on Saul anymore. It was now on David. Okay? So the gift is still here, but whether you operated in it or not, that don't mean one hill of beans The God. the gift, as He's talking about the gift is without repentance. Not the gift in your life is without repentance. You, you all follow me? All right. We looked at a guy. Now, this works both ways. If you disobey, you could lose the gift. But how many know if you obey, God will give you a different purpose? He will change your purpose, and then that grace will go with the purpose, so you'll get different gifts. There you go. Remember, we saw Barnabas, right? We're gonna, I'm not going to look at it all again, but Barnabas, in Acts chapter 4, in the beginning of the church, it was like 32 AD, he was the ministry gift of giver. This guy was cutting real estate deals and bringing massive amounts of cash to the apostles' feet. That was his gift. He was anointed and graced to do real estate. He was was Donald Trump before Donald Trump ever even was even thought of. (laughs) All right, seriously. He financed the beginning of the church, the church. Now, as he was faithful in that, about 10 years later, we see that the apostles sent him to Antioch to be an exhorter. He was in the ministry gift of exhorter to build people up one-on-one. He was sent to Antioch to be a ministry gift of exhorter. That's what we would call, Well, we don't say counselor anymore because it's liability, but there are prayer counselors or our prayer team people, exhorters. There's exhorters in this body one-on-one. How many of you know they exhort me? Mm-hmm. Oh, they exhort the pastor. Yes! That's why we're fitly joined. There is, there, man, one-on-one ministry, that's what exhorters do, one-on-one. There is nothing more precious than one-on-one ministry, guys, because when you get one-on-one time, look out. Man, that's good stuff. So that's what Barnabas was doing. He didn't get promoted necessarily. It was a lateral move. How many know if he went there and he tried to set up shop in the real estate business, he wouldn't have cut a profit? He wasn't graced to be a giver anymore. He was graced to be an exhorter. Then a couple more years goes by and we find out that he's in Antioch. He's now standing in the, pro- in the office of prophet and teacher. I mean, as a prophet and teacher, he couldn't go out and cut real estate deals anymore. He, wasn't, he could try and do it in his own power, but he would not have enjoyed the bubble. Do you understand? I mean, it was easy for him. He knew what the right deals were, the right time. He knew negotiation, everything. It was all set up for him. It was easy. And then he'd just bring the cash in because you know what? Not one dime of that cash was his. Just like not one word of revelation knowledge that I teach is mine. Yeah, I'm, in the, I'm operating as a teacher right now. Okay? So then we see that him and five other prophets and teachers got together. And then the Holy Spirit said, Separate Saul, who was also a prophet and teacher, and Barnabas to me. And then they became apostles. Another lateral move. <gasps> oh, I thought apostles was first. Apostles are first because they're the first guys with the boots on the ground. How many know you can't have a pastor if there's not a church there? Apostles, the first one with boots on the ground. They get there and they do the work of an evangelist first, right? Then they act like the pastor and the teacher until they can establish folks there, and then they move on. First one on the boots on the ground. And the word apostle literally means this a delegate or a representative or an ambassador, a sent one. A delegate. Not some, ooh, apostle. Mm-hmm. You're a delegate. I mean, Paul said that we're all ambassadors for Christ, so in our own right, every one of us are apostles. That's right. When you leave here and you go to work, you're operating in the ministry of an apostle. Because yeah, you're an back, amb- You're a delegate to those people. First one on the boots on the ground, is there a church there? No. So every one of us is called to do that. All right. Go to First Corinthians 12. First Corinthians 12, and start in verse 12. It says, For as the body is one and has many members, all of the members that are one body, being many, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. So just like you've got fingers and toes and nose and ears and eyes, that's how the body of Christ is, he said. For by one Spirit we are all baptized into the body. We're immersed into the body of one Spirit. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been made all to drink into one Spirit. Listen, we all got the same Spirit on the inside of us. Hear me? There's no rank here. There's only one head. Who's the head of the church? And then the rest of us are members. How many know my finger doesn't outrank my toe? My eye doesn't outrank my ear. We all have to work together for my body to work right. Nobody's t- the head is the one that's in charge, tells everybody else what to do, and we all do that, okay? My finger can't assert authority over you know my toe. It's not going to work. It has to, but the toe only listens to the head. i not listen to my finger. That's absurd. So why do we think that? Why in the body of Christ do we think that there's rank structure or somebody's over somebody else? There's one head, Jesus. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, now this would be funny if your foot started talking to you. Because I'm not the hand, I'm not part of the body. I'm taking my foot and going home. Paul says, is he still not part of the body? Of course he is. Say it all you want, you're still the foot. And if the ear will say, because I'm not the eye, am I not of the body? Of course it is. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were the hearing, where would be the smelling? But now hath God set members every one of them in the body as it has pleased Him. Verse 19, And if they were all one member, where would be the body? We'd just be like a giant finger walking around. Kind of hard to scratch your ear if you're just a finger. I mean, it's kind of humorous, but that's what Paul's saying here, okay? But now there are many members, yet one body. He keeps saying that same thing. Maybe we could get it. I don't know. might be a problem. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you nor again the head to the feet, I don't need you. Now listen, this is big. Because what he's saying is Jesus, if you're the pinky toe toenail on the bottom of the body, you know the littlest member, Jesus can't say I don't need you. Jesus needs you as much as you need Him. You're part of the body. Without us, it don't get done. We are all that Jesus has to work with here on the planet. It don't matter if you're an eyelash, Jesus needs you. The same way that he needs a hand or a foot or that we need him. See how this is all working together? And they much more, those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary. You don't think your eyelids necessary until you get something in your eye. Eyelids seem pretty fragile, doesn't it? But let something get in that eye and see how much we, man, we're all in it. Visine the flush station at the you know down at you know work anything we can do to get whatever's in there out and those members of the body which we think are less honorable upon these we bestow more honor even our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness for our comely parts have no need but God hath tempered the body together having given more abundant honor to them which are lacked to that part which lacked that there should be no division or schism in the body but that the members should have the same care for one another. We care for each other just like you care for your... Listen, you might not even remember that you had you know, a, a pinky toenail until you get a hangnail on that thing. Right? Then all of a sudden, look what you're doing to take care of it. That's what he says. We take care of each other just like that. For if one member suffers, we all do. Listen to me. If you're suffering, Jesus suffers. He's the head. When your life not going good, Jesus suffers too. Don't think God's doing it to you. Jesus is suffering right along with you. He doesn't want it to be... Listen, He don't want a hangnail any more than you do. And if your life's bad and you're the pinky toe, even if you're the pinky toe and you're a hangnail, we all suffer. Jesus wants to get that fixed. Just like you want to get your hangnail healed up. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversity of tongues, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healings, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I'll show you a more excellent way. And then he starts talking about walking in love. So what that tells me is if you could covet the best gifts, now if God wasn't going to give them to you, He wouldn't tell you to want them. Because it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Mm -hmm. But if you want them, if you want to be apostle, great. You want to know how to get there? Whatever your assignment is right now, do it really good. With a good attitude and be faithful. Some people, they never get out of their assignment because they do it with a junky attitude. They're not faithful. The Bible says, if you're faithful in little things, he will give you bigger stuff. Now, it's not that you get a promotion what it is is you're more respons- you have more responsibility. You don't have any more authority than you've already got now. Jesus gave us all authority on the earth. It's already ours. So what happens is, as you're faithful, you get more responsibility. Barnabas, he was a giver. He was responsible for himself and given the cash. Then he became an exhorter. He was responsible for one-on-one ministry. Then he became a prophet and a teacher, and suddenly he's got more people he's responsible for. Now he's an apostle. He's got to go be boots on the ground to people that aren't saved and build a church there. And then when he's done there, they go somewhere else and do it. More responsibilities. They have any more authority? No. Was he in ministry the whole time? Absolutely. He was in ministry the whole time. He just kept getting lateral moves. They're not promotions. They're lateral moves. Because we're all members of the body. Just like the finger can't tell the foot something different. The head is the one that's in charge. We all just do whatever assignment we are. You might be a finger today, and two years from now you might be a foot. Guess what? If you don't go be the foot when God told you to be the foot, you lose the bubble. You don't have your grace anymore, and you can't do and nothing'll work. You're right there in um First Corinthians twelve, right? All right, mean we, we've got to pray before I get into this. Father, just help me out with this one. Uh this is this is like way over my head, Father. I thank you. I thank you for utterance. Holy Spirit, just teach it to us on the fly here. I know you're wanting to get this out, so just help me with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, I, this is... I didn't... Man, this is... Okay, let's start in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1, and we'll just go with it. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Help me, Father. It says, Now concerning spiritual gifts. That word gifts, cross it out. It doesn't exist. That's something the translators put in. It's in italics. That word spiritual... Capital S, spirituals, with an S on the end of it. Capital S, spirituals, with an S. Now concerning spirituals, capital S, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because you're going to find out gifts is a misnomer. There's only four that are gifts. Let's keep reading. I don't want you to be ignorant. So he's going to teach us something. You know that you were Gentiles or pagans, you were carried away with these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore I give unto you to understand... That no man speaking by the Spirit of God can call Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus, and see where it says the, it really should be translated my. No man can say that Jesus is my Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Circle gifts. Or write it down. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. Circle administrations, or write that one down. And there are diversities of operations, but as the same God would work us all, worketh all in all. Circle operations. There's three things that are spirituals, capital S. Gifts, administrations, and operations. Say gifts first. It is the Greek word charisma, and it translates literally this, miraculous faculties. Every gift works on the inside of you. They're inner. They're inside. They're faculties. Gifts are inside. The word administrations literally translates office, which makes sense. The Bush administration, Bush is in office. The Reagan administration, Reagan's in office. The Clinton administration, Clinton's in office. There's different administrations or different offices. Hold your finger right there uh, and go to uh, Ephesians 4 real quick. We'll be right back there. This word is also translated ministry. Ephesians 4 and verse 11. And He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. That word ministry is the same word administrations. Offices. The only reason we have apostles, prophets, pastors, and teachers so that all of us can be perfected in whatever our purpose is, our office is. And when we work in our office and we know how to do that good, that's when the bubble gets bigger. That's the whole point of that five-fold ministry is so that all of us will know what our office is. That's the only reason. I'm just reading the Bible. Name for anything else other than that all of us could learn what our purpose is and our bubble get bigger. Go back to 1 Corinthians 12. The next thing he talks about are operations. Operations are external. These are things that other people can see. People can hear. They're external. So gifts are internal. Administrations are offices. And operations are external workings of the Holy Ghost. Okay? Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Who's it given to? Every man. So if you're a human being... The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is to profit you. If you've been born on the planet, the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit manifesting Himself is to profit you, make your life better. Now that word manifestation, we all know it means to exhibit or to show out. The root word of manifestation. And you know, see, I was in the Marine Corps. Whenever we uh, we you know pack up all our gear to go to war, we would pack all of our stuff up, and then what we had to do was come up with a manifest. And what that manifest was was a list of all of our weapons, all of our equipment, all of our ammo, all of our supplies in those boxes. The manifestation is literally the showing forth of your inventory. Amen. The arsenal. Everything that we had in that that's what the manifestation of the Spirit is, is that the Holy Spirit, He says all these things, gifts, administrations, and operations, whoosh, it's on the manifest, and when I show out and I break out the equipment, that's what it is. That's what manifestation is. It's not some kooky religious word. Oh, the manifestation of my healing. has. Yeah, it has. You've already been healed. Get on board and it'll show up. He'll just whip it out. There it is. Pull it right out of the box. Here you go. Now, back up. Administrations. I'm going to give you what all the offices are that I know of. They're, in the, they're not in one list. They're all throughout, the old, uh, all throughout the New Testament, okay? The first one is apostle. That's a delegate. First one, boots on the ground. They have to be first because somebody's got to show up first. That's why they're first. Because somebody's got to be there before everybody else gets there. Okay? Not all this, oh, it's a higher title. and That's stupid. Jesus is first. Okay? He's the head. Amen. All right? And if he sends you, then great. Go get sent. I mean, I don't, to me, that's not the best gift. I don't covet that one. I really, I, I've had enough eating, living in the dirt, eating monkey head and all that. I really don't desire to go do that. Don't send me to Thailand, God. I don't really want to go. You know, eating cobra sex. you know, and you know, all that, okay? The next one is a prophet. All a prophet is, listen to me, a prophet is this. It means a divi- divinely inspired speaker who interprets the will and the purposes of God. That's all a prophet does. The office of prophet, that's what you do. You're a divinely inspired speaker, utterer. That's what I'm operating in right now. I know, because I'm way over my head here, guys. Way over my head. I haven't studied... I don't have... You know. The next thing is, I've got notes in my Bible, but it's not like I studied this one out. Teacher is the next one. Teacher. In the office of teacher. That's an office. A ministry office. And so we call them ministry gifts. It's okay, because Paul calls them gifts in Romans. But these are administrations in their offices, so I want to get them straight in our head, okay? An administration or an office is teacher. The next one, which we call pastors, is really two offices. There's the bishop who has the rule or well, we would call them the senior pastor. And then there's a whole lot of other pastors which are the elders. They're under shepherds. The pastor means shepherd. The job of the shepherd is to nurture and feed the flock. The bishop has the rule. They're the senior one. And all the other elders, they have little flocks under them. And when we get bigger, you're going to see it. When we get bigger, there's going to, I told God when he told me and I started seeing what we're going to do, I said, I need 100 pastors. I can't do this without 100 pastors. Can you imagine, even if we, if we got to 30,000 people, when we get to 30,000 people, how about that, yeah. and there are only 100 pastors, that's a big flock for every one of those 100. Yeah. That's a lot of people that you're going to have to run down with. Uh-huh. That's the office of pastor, bishop and elder. There's two offices that cover pastor. Then the next one down is deacons. And, it re- and he called it, Paul called it here in the end of the list on chapter 12, he said governments, that's what deacons do. Deac- elders and bishops, they handle the spiritual side of the thing of the house. Deacons, they handle the natural side of it. We saw that when they, when uh, the apostle said separate your seven folks and they'll run the operation, the daily operation of the church. That's what deacons do. They handle all the business side of stuff. Now, how many know, just because they're handling the business side of it, we saw that man Stephen was going around laying hands on the sick and they were getting healed while he was doing his business. So don't you're not limited and I'm going to talk about these these nine things here and how we operate in them in everyday life here in a minute, as soon as we get off offices. But the deacons, you just handle the natural side of the church operations. okay? Then we had exhorter, right? We talked about what that is. Service, ministry, service, grunt work. You know that's a ministry office, just like pastor or apostle? It's just as anointed, just as important, actually even more important. I mean, I did that for a long time. It don't happen without service. They're not a lesser rank of people. If anything, more. That's what he said. The ones that we don't honor as much, God honors more. More. Then we have uh, the ministry office of a giver, which we've talked about. Ministry office of a giver. That I mean, everything that you touch turns into gold. That's where Earl starts selling 2,000 cars a week because everybody in this town wants to buy a car from Earl. Why? Because to be mini- if he's in the ministry, if that's his office, then that's what's going to happen. Okay? And it'll be Crazy. And that's why some people go, why, why did God, you know, put choose them? Because that's His ministry gift. That's His office. Okay, don't get upset about it. Don't get it just. He still wants to prosper you too. Okay, and remember all that stuff, all that money. Not a dime of it belongs to him, because he did as a ministry office as a giver. Okay, it belongs to the church. And the last thing is evangelist, and we have kind of a kooky, you know, idea of an evangelist. Some guy spitting and screaming and all that. It literally means in the Greek. Someone who preaches or proclaims the gospel. That's not teaching it. Here, you know what? Every, all of us do the work of an evangelist when we just go like this. We come up to somebody and somebody says, oh, I'm here. And say, you know what? God's already provided for your healing. You're not teaching anything. You're just proclaiming the gospel. When you say to your body, by Jesus' stripes I've already been healed, you're doing the work of an evangelist. You're proclaiming the gospel. That's all it is. You proclaim good news. You're just saying what the truth is. That's what an evangelist does. Now, that is a ministry gift. Those are the guys that do that to crowds and crowds of people. But Paul told Timothy, do the work of an evangelist. Even though that might not be your ministry gift, it's easy to proclaim the gospel. We're all about confessing the word. That's all it is. Okay? Those are the administrations. Now gifts and operations. This list that Paul gives are the gifts and the operations. He doesn't talk about administrations in this list of nine things that we're going to look at here in 1 Corinthians 12. We've got a little bit of time. We'll go through them. See how far we get. In verse 8. Now we've got to correct a little bit of religious thinking here because when I read this, and I've always been taught this, and again I'm not saying it's wrong, but it, it is. Glory. It says, For the one is given this and then to another is given that and to another is given this and to another is given that and we've always had this idea that you get one and you get another one and you get one and then you get one and that's how he divides them all up and there you go that's not god's character see I, here's the number one rule that i interpret the word is i want to know i know my father's character and if it doesn't line up with his character i need to dig in and find out where we where what's going on here right. that ain't god's character to just give one to one and one to no. god says i give everything to everybody it's all available Correct. No respecter of persons can be just said. That's true. He's not keeping one good thing from you. Everything that Jesus did was not to give you one little tidbit and you one little biscuit and one little crumb here. It's not His character. So I researched this in the Greek a couple years ago, and I looked at it, and I said, well, I'm just not getting it. But here's what it said. I'm going to read it because I wrote it in my Bible. See where it says, for to one? That is nowhere in the language anywhere. There's not one singular nothing. It says this, for who is truly given? Now how did they get four to one out of that? I have no idea. but for who is true, to who is truly given, the spirit, by the spirit, the word of wisdom. And where it says to another, it says and more" in the Greek. It can be translated to another, but it's also translated and more. So for to who is truly given, by the spirit the word of wisdom, and more, the word of knowledge, and more and more and more. Not to one and another and another. No, and more. You've given it, then he gives you all of it. And when you get to, you do that one, then he gives you more. And then he gives you more. And that's God's character because He's more than enough. Now, let's start talking about these gifts and operations. For t- who is truly given by the Spirit, the word of wisdom? We know that wisdom is supreme intelligence and skill. Right? We studied that out. See where it says the word of? That word is Logos. And if you've been coming on Friday nights, you know that Logos is the written word of God, but it's also in John 1.1 1, 1, where it says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word became God and the word, or the word was God and the word became flesh. That's Logos. Jesus is Logos. So He's going to give us the supreme intelligence and skill of Jesus. When you operate in this gift, it's a miraculous faculty. It's on the inside of you. You will have supreme intelligence and skill will come on you in real time. Listen, this is the anointing. I want to say this. Faith is different than the anointing. Faith, there is a time lag. Okay? You can believe for your healing, you confess for your healing, and it says, You shall have whatever you say. There's a time lag. The anointing is instantaneous in real time. Instantaneous. That's the bubble. You know, where you're in that bubble and everything just happens, that's the anointing. That's the grace. That's these gifts and these operations working in your life. In real time, whatever your job is, if you're carrying out your assignment in the church, listen to me, because you, you, you have to be in the world. We all have to be. That's why we're ambassadors. You can, then you'll be in the bubble. And I did this when I was at Capitol Police. I know. And you know what? Half the time we do it, and you, when I start telling you this stuff, you go, oh, that's what it was and you'll start to realize that you were operating in these gifts and in this anointing when you didn't even know it. Real time, you'll have supreme intelligence and skill. You ever been over your head? And you don't know what to do next, and then all of a sudden you know what to do next? Not only do you know what to do, you pull it off. You have the skill to do it, which you didn't have before. And how many know? Okay. Okay. And what's the next one goes right hand in hand, it says word of knowledge, logos of knowledge. It literally says in the Greek the logos of science, the workings of things. Jesus, how do you know? Jesus knows how everything works on this planet. Everything. There's not one thing on the planet that Jesus doesn't know. He knows about brain surgery. He knows about stuff we don't even know about yet. So when you operate in this gift in real time, wherever your assignment, I mean, you could be at work, you're in the real world. These two things go hand in hand. He'll give you the knowledge of how it works, and then he'll give you the intelligence and skill to pull it off. In real time. This is superhuman powers. You all wanted to be a superhero? Here's your chance. Don't wear tights. I don't want to see any underwear outside the spandex. (laughs) Okay? But that's what we're talking about. That's being in the bubble. And if you think back over your life, you'll realize there was times when you operated this, and you didn't know what, because we've always been taught that this is for church. And I only operate in one, or I can operate in another, and only in some Holy Ghost meeting. Wrong! It's to profit every man. How many of you know it profits the people that are around you that ain't even born again? You think Nancy and Joe and Hillary didn't profit from me operating in this? You bet they did. That's why there was a we got to have Andrew. It's not that they got to have Andrew. What they wanted was this. I was just one that was operating in it. You understand? Alright, let's look at the next one. Verse 9, it says, And next, or and more, faith by the same Spirit. We always said this is special faith. Right. This is also a gift. It works on the inside of you. It is special faith in the fact that, and again, this goes hand in hand on Friday night. How many? You, here's an example of special faith. Did you know nowhere in the Bible, because Moses, uh, Moses hadn't written it yet, but if he did, there's nowhere in the Bible where it says, you know, hold out your rod over an ocean and it'll split. Thus saith the Lord. He had to have special faith in order to hold his rod over the ocean and have the Red Sea split. Yeah. Same thing we talked about uh, uh, the, the uh, lady with the issue of blood. Right. There was no Bible anywhere that said if you touch Jesus' clothes you'll get healed. Right. That was special faith she heard in her heart. Yeah. That was the Rama word. She had faith. That was the that was Rama word is the Holy Spirit talking to your spirit. Right. That's what faith is. We saw that. Remember, yep. faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Rama word of God, not the logos. The Rama word. That's this gift in operation. I mean, you know, when he told me to run for Congress, there's nowhere in this Bible to tell you to go run for Congress. But I had faith to do it. You know why? Because I was operating in that gift. Same thing with starting this church. There's nowhere in there that says go to Greenville, South Carolina where there's already a thousand churches and start another one. Mm-hmm. Stupid. <laughs> have faith. Why do you have faith for it? Because he's telling me that, that's that gift in operation. It's the of word. Mm-hmm. See, now you've been operating you, didn't, you I thought these were all spiritual gifts. You've been operating it all along. You didn't even realize it, did you? You can think back when you know God told you to do something and you went and did it and obeyed. That's faith. That's a special faith. That's this operating by the Spirit. Okay? Next thing. To another, gifts of healing. Or, and more, to give, gifts of healing. More, gifts of healing. Now, I can tell you, I have operated in every one of these things. Okay? And you probably have too if you think about it. Okay? Don't look for the, the uh, super, uh, don't look for the spectacular and miss the supernatural. We're always looking for the big fireworks. Woo, ah, woo! And you know what? God's really not like that. He's pretty subtle. You'll miss out on this stuff if you're not watching. Now, gifts of healing. say, well, isn't that a gift? Yeah, it's a free healing. This one, you don't use your faith. This one's just a free one that the Holy Spirit has given you. It's an operation. Okay? And it can happen laying on of hands. It could happen in a number of different ways. Naaman, he had to go dunk seven times in the river. That yucky old river. Remember the guy at the Pool of Siloam? Right? And, and for years the, the pool would get stirred up, and who first one in got their healing. I didn't take any faith. They're just falling into the pool, grabbing an ST on the way in, right? Taking the plunge. It's a free healing. It's a gift. It's a free healing. This has nothing to do with faith. It has nothing to do with. All right, look, look over here in Acts chapter three. I'll show you this. Acts chapter three. <laughs> I need to get a drink. That... Okay, Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. So, the ninth hour is 3 o'clock in the afternoon. All right? Now, these guys, we all think the apostles were all pouring down and out. No, no, no. These guys had to have, look like they had some cash, because this guy's going to hit them up for cash. Okay? He wants something. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried and when laid there daily at the temple gate, which was called beautiful to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Anybody ever you know, get hit up with the old panhandler? That's what this guy does. He made a living out of it. making a career out of it. Doing pretty good, apparently. He's there every day. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked alms of them. And Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John and said, look on us. And he gave heed Looking under them, expecting to receive something of them. Now, how many know what he was expecting to receive was a fiver or a ten or maybe a hundred, because these guys got some nice clothes. Right? That's what he's expecting. Does he have faith for anything other than I want some money? No, he's minding his business. He's been there every day since he was born. It says they, they carry him there, lame from his mother's womb. Here's a career. He never you know, people coming in, going out, he's hitting them up, you know, because that's where people feel religious. They feel like, oh, I gotta do something, to make myself feel better, soothe the conscience. That's what he's doing. And look what happens in verse 4 or verse 5. And he gave heed to them, expecting to receive something of him. And Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but here's my Master Card. No, he didn't say that. What did he say? He said, But such as I have, give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet, feet and ankle bones were strengthened, and he was healed. That was a gift of healing. How do I know? Because if you just walked up to some lame guy on the street and decided to go pull him up and say, such as I have in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk, and he's going to sit there like a big flop. of th- Why? Because the Holy Spirit isn't moving right there. It didn't tell you to go do it. Now, if he tells you to go do it, then you know it's operating. This happened a couple weeks ago here in church. After praise and worship, I called people up and I said, if you have anything in your body, come up here and I'll lay hands on you. And it's a free healing. And that didn't have anything to do with faith. I only did it when the Holy Spirit told me to do it. I'm not going to do it every week because, oh, I know some people got healed during that. I know that was good. Let's do that again. No, because it's as He wills. All of these are as He wills. We'll talk about that in a minute. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. 1 Corinthians 12. In verse 10, it says, and more, the working of miracles. Now we have this idea ooh, working of miracles. What's that? My favorite miracles is the word dunamis it's translated power everywhere else yeah. it's miracle explosive power of god so you know you probably worked miracles and you probably don't even realize it mm-hmm. think back a where you know that something happened that was not the norm that we know but the laws of physics it ain't going to work that way and yet it still does you want to know a miracle that these rental properties that I have that have been vacant for two years, the mortgage is getting paid on them every month, and I'm not getting a paycheck. Am I working a miracle? You bet. That's the explosive power of God. But we don't worry like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make. No. So you don't get, don't discount stuff. We're looking for the big fireworks and oh, the big show and you know, the ball dropping and all that, right? And when and we're missing out miracles, that we're working day and night because we're just cooperating with the Holy Spirit. If you just show up and do what He tells you to do, dynamite. Power of God. The explosive power of God. You'll work miracles. Easy. Easy. And you know what? These all work in conjunction with one another. Here's what I'm going to tell on you, Jeff. One day he was in the dollar car. Y'all remember the dollar station wagon he had? He had this dollar station wagon. Right? you remember. Yeah, I remember that dollar station wagon. I think I rode in it once. That was all. (laughs) There was something wrong with it. Uh, It was just blowing heat or something, right? Or air. No, a cold air, cold air, cold air, and it's freezing outside. He can't get the heat working for nothing, so he prays over it. And he's, and in faith, he says what he's going to say over the car and tells it to work right. It doesn't, but he's in faith, so you know what happens? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and a work and a miracle shows up on his behalf. On the inside of me he here is thermostats. Speak over, lay your hand on the thing, speak over the thermostat. He says, thermostats, you act right, the dollar car was fixed. How I many you know it, thermostats don't get fixed like that? Right. You go to the Mr. Goodwrench and get them fixed. How did Jeff even know it was the thermostat? He ain't a mechanic. Are you a mechanic, Jeff? Sometimes, yeah, when the Holy Spirit shows up. But do you understand what I'm saying? So here, all these gifts are in operation just to get you to work comfortably. Let's not miss out on, on this good stuff. Let's not miss out on the bubble. The bubble's for air. I mean, it is good inside the bubble. All these things will be working. Now, why are we talking about? So that you'll be aware of them, and the more you're aware of them, the more you'll be operating in them. And you start recognizing, hey, that's the Holy Spirit trying to help me out. Let's hook up there. Mm -hmm. To another, prophecy. We talked about prophecy. Prophecy is a divine utterance interpreting the will of God or the Word of God. Sometimes He does tell you the future. Not always, though. Sometimes He'll just tell you enough to keep you from getting killed. And then you'll be wondering the whole time, what is He really talking about? And then you try to figure out six ways to Sunday what it is. Just relax. Just do the part He told you to do and it will all work out. Don't worry about it. If you needed to know, He'd tell you. That's right. Need to know, right? Yes, you do. And then look, and more discerning of spirits. Now, again, I'm not going to say that what we've been taught is wrong, but discerning of spirits, we've always been taught. And yes, this is true. You will see, you will, you will be able to discern, you know, is it a demon working, is it a lying spirit, a sick... But how many know there's more spirits on the... There's heavenly angels, those are spirits, ministering spirits, SEAL team. Then there's Hell's Rangers. Sorry about the army thing, but... Hell's (laughs) Rangers, the demons, right? And how many know there's a bunch of human spirits on the planet too? Now see that word discerning? It says this in the Greek, judicial estimation. Discerning, judicial estimation. That's what a jury or a judge does deciding on what somebody's intentions were whether they are guilty or they're not guilty in a court of law. Now, this is cool, because what it says is you can discern spirits. Look over in Hebrews 4. We saw this on Friday night. It ties in real nice. Thank you, Father. Hebrews 4 and verse 12. Now, remember, Logos is the written precepts of the Word of God, and it's also Jesus. Okay? Okay? It says, For the Word of God, the Logos, Word of God, is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart or the spirit. This gift, this miraculous faculty on the inside of you will tell you when someone's lying to you. You ever know someone's lying? Oh, yeah. And it'll tell you when somebody's getting ready to do something to you. It'll tell you they're getting ready to... Listen, I operated this all the time when I was a sheriff's deputy. I never lost a foot chase. Now, I'm not that fast. 30 years old running against 18-year-olds, and I'm not that fast. You know why? Because I would always know that they were getting ready to run. Knew it. I'd always know if they are getting ready to pull a weapon. And not only that, once they did run... I'd have word of knowledge, word of wisdom working, and I'd go to where they were at, and I'd be waiting around the corner. And here they come, and then I'd just grab them by the throat, and hey, how you doing? Every time. People would be like, how do you do that? I don't know. This is how I would do that. The Holy Spirit would tell you, go here, go there. You know what? This guy's getting ready to run. This guy's going to pull a weapon on you. Same thing at work. This guy might be telling you it's a good deal, but he's going to backstab you. He's going to mudsuck you. He's going to take you out at the knees. This is a big one right here. If you can operate in discerning a spirit, you will know the thoughts and intents of somebody's spirit, their heart. Not just demons and angels, but you'll know human spirits. That's big. Because you know what? When you operate in that, you'll also know what the right thing to say is to close the sale. You'll know exactly what to say? Yeah, you'll know. Because it's meant for everybody to profit. Profit with all. just reading the Bible. (gasps) You want you to profit? Yeah, profit. I didn't use the word Paul did. Don't get mad at me. Now, look at this. It says, and next, diverse kinds of tongues, and next, interpretation of tongues. Now, look, I'm not going to get it, it's already 20 after 11. This could be like a month and a half on tongues, okay? But listen, I'm just going to throw you this out there so you know, oh, tongues is not, it's not as weird and kooky as you think it is. Y'all know in World War II that we broke the Japanese code, they called it magic. And if you had a magic clearance, you could read somebody else's code in war. So, we knew what the enemy was going to do. How many know Satan listens in on all your prayer time? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tongues is nothing more than encrypted communication with God. And it, the angels don't know it, the demons don't know it, and whoever's sitting next to you, they ain't got a clue either. They'll just look at you like you're weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> it's not weird, it's encrypted communication. And the interpretation of it is, is you get the descrambler and you figure out what it is that's going on in his. It's straight to God, though. Nobody else will know except him and you. Okay? Not weird. Man, it's really helpful though. And we'll, we'll talk about that a whole other time. Then look at this in verse 11. It says, but all these work by that one and self-same Spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, this is the good part. The Holy Spirit knows whether you need an M60 or a Phillips head screwdriver in whatever situation you're in. You don't want to be digging through the Conax box and finding all the stuff that's in there in the inventory, do you? You got no clue what you need. He does. So here's here, you would be standing there and you'd be like, tool, and then the Holy Spirit will just hand you whatever it is you need. And you come out and you go, ooh, stun gun. <laughs> and there you go. Or tool, what do you need? And, uh, oh, it's a screwdriver and it's a Phillips head and it'll fit. Tool, what do you need? And there's an M60. It's he—that's the beauty of it—is that you don't have to figure out which one you need. You don't have to go through the whole inventory and search through the box and work You ever done that before? When I was in boot camp, my drill instructors would tell you, You got two seconds, I've got two pairs of green socks, go, and it's in this big C bag. Two seconds? What are you kidding me? You can't even get the combination done in two seconds. And then it start screaming. am pray. Father, just help me out. And I'd stick my hand in there and come out with two pairs of green socks and be the first one standing online. Because I asked. <laughs> That's the same thing. That's how the Holy Spirit wills. Yes. If I need socks, I'll give you socks. Whatever the equipment is and the weapon that you need, the and he'll give you that one. Whatever gift or operation you need at the time, you'll have that one. Now, you might think you need one, and he ain't showing up. It's because you don't need that one. Right. You might think, oh, I, if I just had the gift of healing, I could help this person. Mind your business. It's the one that the Holy Spirit gives you, and if he tells you to do it, then do it. You don't know what the situation is there. Exactly right. And it isn't on you for any of these things to perform. But when you're in the bubble, you'll be working this stuff in real time. You won't even realize it. That's when it and that's the anointing. Real time, not faith. Faith is, there's a time lag. There's a place for both of them. But you know, it's really fun when you're in real time. When you're not even thinking about it and he's just handing you tools and then you just go, oh, hey, that's good. And you do that one and it works. All right? I guess we're not going to get to how we enhance our gift today. (laughs) I was going to talk about how to enhance our grace, but not today, maybe next week. Stand to your feet with me and we'll pray. Heavenly Father, I just... Thank you for your words. Seal this word in our hearts, Father. Help us to be aware of all the tools and all the equipment available to us by your, just, your, your just wonderful sweet spirit. Holy Spirit, we, just, uh, we covenant with you to just cooperate with you when you hand us the tool that we'll know what it is, recognize it, and use it. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.